Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios. This is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas. Welcome, sports fans, to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. The presenting sponsor of the Matt Mosley Show is Central National Bank, your leading independent bank, with locations in Waco, Temple, and Austin. Also sponsored by Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Barnett Contracting, Hellberg Barbecue, Jim Turner Chevrolet, Marineland Boating Center, Myatt Fuels, Schmaltz's Sandwich Shop, Time Manufacturing, and UBO Business Services. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. It's the best of the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Matt Mosley is on vacation, so all week we'll be hearing some of his best conversations from the past few months. We'll hear from Cincinnati defensive end Jawan Bridges. Matt talked with him last week during Big 12 Media Days. Great conversation, but we didn't have time to air it during the two days of Big 12 Media Days, so we'll air that today with Jawan Bridges, the defensive end from Cincinnati. We'll hear from Houston Oilers great Robert Brazil, NFL Hall of Famer, and Matt was able to talk to him about his induction into this year's class of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. We'll hear from former LSU baseball coach Paul Maneri. He led them to a national title in 2009 before hanging it up a couple of years ago, but he recruited many of the players on this year's national championship team, and Matt was able to talk with him the day after LSU won the national championship. Coach Minari was able to be on the field with some of his former players, and Matt got to ask him about that and his storied career. We'll also hear from Eric Edom from the NFL Network. He is their lead draft writer, their draft guru. Matt was able to talk with him right after this year's NFL draft to get draft grades on the Cowboys, the Texans, and many, many other NFL teams. But first, we'll hear from one of the newest members of Baylor men's basketball. That's Jaden Nunn. Matt was able to talk with him right after he decided to transfer from VCU and join Baylor men's basketball. And here is that conversation. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Dave Aranda, Baylor football coach, coming up. We'll hear a little bit from him at 520. Tomorrow we'll go one-on-one with him. But now joined by Jaden Nunn, the newest Baylor Bear from VCU. Really nice player there and has ended up in uh, Waco, Texas. He's not quite here yet, but uh, Mm -hmm. we'll be excited to uh, have him. And uh, Jaden, con- uh, congratulations! We're, we're very uh, happy about this news, and uh, welcome to the Baylor family. Thank you, thank you. Well, what was the uh, what was it, what's this been like? Is this has to be interesting to go through recruitment? You originally re- uh, committed to Iowa State, and then you ended up at VCU to mm-hmm. go through this again. Was it fun? Was it hectic? What was the uh, what have these last, um, you know, week or two been like for you? This last week or two has been hectic, you know. Coming down to this decision, you know, it was a hard decision. But, you know, me and my son, we had talked, you know, over the past nights. And that's what helped, you know, come down to this decision and picking Baylor. All right. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Penn State were in the mix. What was it, uh, Jaden, as you were kind of – and I guess your decision originally to go in the portal – uh, I would assume that had something to do with your coach uh, mm-hmm. leaving and, and going to Penn State. And I'm sure that was appealing to maybe even stay with him because Penn State mm-hmm. obviously would have loved you to have come there. Um, yeah. 
What was that? Was it tough? I mean, I think several of your teammates maybe decided to go the portal route, but having those connections there and playing for VCU, um, was that some soul searching or was it a fairly easy decision to leave? Um, it was a tough decision. You know, I was really, I wanted to play with my teammates. I really got comfortable with my teammates, you know. My teammates, you know, I really started looking at them like family. You know, we were all brothers and very close, so it was very hard for me to make the decision and leaving them. I didn't want to leave them for real. So. Yeah, and and Baylor, you know, I, Scott and Coach Jacobs and all of it, it's a, it's an unbelievable staff, as you found out, and they're pretty relentless. Boy, once they, once you start visiting with them and they believe in you, you know about it. Um, what what made you what led you to this decision? Because boy, I'm sure there was nil money out there for you. People value different things. What was mm-hmm. the biggest reason in the end uh, you decided to go with the Bears? Um, how hard they recruited me. You know, they showed how much they needed me. You know, on their team. You know, they made me feel like a, a family. You know, I went on a visit, and then the very first day they recruited me, it made me feel like family. You know, so it's like I've been new to them. So, yeah, that's why I really picked them. I really got comfortable with the coaches there. All right. And what was that like? Did they did you get to um, come on a visit? And um, did you go check out the site of the new arena? That had to be kind of appealing oh, and yeah. exciting. What was the what was kind of the major focus of those talks? And I and, and what did they tell you about how they view you and see your role on this team? Um, you know, from the first day we talked, you know, they believed in me. And, you know, when I first went on a visit and stuff, I came out there uh, this past weekend, you know, they showed me uh, they showed me all around campus and everything. They showed me my fit, my style, my role on the team, how I was fitting their system. You know, from looking at those perspectives, you know, I feel like Baylor is the best spot for me. What do you like? Do you like, um, you know, the point guard is what you played in high school. I'm sure you can, mm-hmm. obviously, you got the size to be a shooting guard. Did you kind of did they sell you a little bit on the almost positionless? Hey, you know we, they they love obviously three guard offense here. Yeah. What was their talk? Because they got some great young freshmen coming in, as I'm sure you know. Did you uh, did you hear from those guys at all from uh, Jacoby or uh, Miro as as you got ready to make this decision? Um, no, not yet. But you know the three guard offense. You know that's what really played perspective in his decision. You know. They had a position list, you know, anybody could run away, anybody could play the two, anybody could put a three, you know, and then their defense, you know, they talked to me a lot. They need a defensive stopper, you know, they depended on me for uh, and being that and taking that role on the team. Oh, I like that. A defensive uh, stopper. Talking to Jaden Nunn, who's become a Baylor Bear, and um, you watched one guy last night in the NBA playoff who's, playoffs who played here, Davion Mitchell. I bet his name came up. Uh, and that's who all people are measured against at Baylor. What at VCU was that? Is that a role you really embraced? Uh, I saw you have a ton of steals and dunks and that kind of thing. But um, is that is that is they even go back to high school? When did you kind of first really embrace that end of the court and and become a, a really good defensive player? Um, I'd say you know starting in high school. You know my freshman year of high school. That's when I really started to embrace the defensive end. You know, going into, uh, you know, freshman, being a freshman on varsity, I had to find a way to get on the court. I know this defense, uh, defense, you know, is a lot to get on the court, you know, stay on the court as well. You know, teams need defense. So if you play defense, you will always be on the court and get a lot of playing time. All right. And they probably told you that the defense wasn't quite what they wanted it to be last uh, season. What did you think of Baylor from afar? Um, you were uh, – 
you know, coming out when they won that uh, national title a couple of years ago. Uh, I bet you remember watching that team. What did you kind of uh, know about Baylor, and what did you kind of think uh, from afar before you got to start knowing the team and, and the coaching staff? Uh, from afar, you know, I thought Baylor was all, I thought I always think Baylor was a good team. You know, they did a, they do a good job with their guards and the offensive play and how they use their guards. Always thought Baylor was a good team. I never never thought anything, you know, other than that about Baylor. I always thought they were good. They were a great team, a great winning culture, and everything about it. Which of these teams you talk to, like, how much did the NIL stuff come up? You know, some players value that a great deal, and mm-hmm. and that's a determining factor. Um, obviously, the NBA factor, I think, is big with what Baylor's done with their NBA players. Mm-hmm. From an NIL standpoint, in your conversations with these different schools you looked at, was it did, – did, did it come up quite a bit? I mean, what was your kind of interest level, and in, in how much did it come up from those schools? Um, the NIL, you know, it never was an interest level or a big factor for me because, you know, I really – the main goal is to, you know, get to the NBA. So, the NIL, you know – Really, though, I really didn't like, you know, that wasn't the main factor in my decision-making or what school I chose, you know. But it was just who got the best fit and who can help me complete my dreams, you know. Who can help me got the best best for, uh, probability in going to the NBA. You know, that's the end goal. That's my dream. That's where I want to go. Were you kind of surprised with um, Scott Drew, all that energy? I mean, some people are kind of caught off guard. I mean, he is <laughs> – he is relentless and he's extremely positive. What was your what was your kind of first impression of him? Oh yeah, that for sure caught me off guard for sure, for sure. You know, he was very energetic and you know, very very social and you know, I just like everything about Scott. You know, he's a good guy for sure. Where did they um where did you go to eat? Did they I mean did you go get something good? Like what was what was the uh, what was on the menu there? Or did you get in there and start getting shots up? What was the uh, what was the visit like? Um, the visit was great. You know, first day on the visit, we went to uh, Mongolia. We ate good at Mongolia, and, you know, it was great. And then we went out to eat. We went out to eat again later on that day. Went to the gym, coming around campus, the football stadium, everything. You know, it was great. All right. Yeah, you'll like that. And then the uh, you saw the makings of the arena as it's going mm-hmm. up, Foster Pavilion. That has to be a... A fun thought. What about some of those? Uh, who do you kind of emulate um, when you think about your game and and who? I don't know if there's an NBA player or a college player or somebody you really looked up to. Is there anybody that you love watching and and um, and, and kind of have patterns your game after to a certain extent? Um, I really like watching. You know, Darius Garland and uh, Thomas Sexton are my top two favorite players. You know, I love watching them. I try to resume my game as much as you know to them. So, yeah, they're my favorite two players right now. They're my favorite players growing up in high school, all the way from their high school career, college, to the NBA. I've been liking them. Wow. Yeah, Sexton, yeah, I've kind of watched him um, and where he's kind of ended up. And he he was a fascinating um, college player there at uh, Alabama. And he's kind of learning now to kind of come off the bench and that kind of thing. Do you, you know, I've always, in high school, you were a big-time scorer. You didn't quite score – that much at VCU, what do you? What is their vision for you? Like from a three-point shoot, obviously this team loves the three. How do you feel about the three-point line and kind of where your shot is right now? And like, what is the what's the part of the game you feel like you've got the most room to grow? Um, definitely the offensive side. You know, I feel like you know they're gonna help me. You know, 
expand, you know, my offensive and ready and show it as well because, you know, through their style of play and the positionless guard style of offense that they have. So, yeah. All right. And then what about being from Flint? What is the – I mean, that's a – that's such an interesting place. They've had great players from there. Is there a lot of pride? And I know you went out a state um, to play, you know, after that and then had a great career there. But being from Flint, and, and um, it's, it's an interesting place. And, again, they've produced some amazing players. Did you grow up yeah. uh, a Michigan State fan? Michigan, what was your uh, – who were you rooting for as you were growing up? Um, as, when I was growing up, I really rooted for Michigan. You know, that was my dream to my love. Michigan basketball, Michigan football, you know, that was a dream school. You know, I love everything about it, you know. So, you know, my dream, that was my dream school. You know, I was Michigan State rivalry. I didn't like Michigan State. I like Michigan. <laughs> Coach Izzo, that was not for you, huh? So, you like uh, Coach Bayline and, and uh, yeah, it, it, and obviously Juwan Howard coming along there. You were a, you were a Michigan man. I mean, who are – now, in, in Flint, I mean, just, I just think about – some of the people that have come out of there. Is there anybody who who who'd you kind of grow up? I'm trying to think who's from Flint because they've just put out so many tremendous players over the years. Who were a couple of the folks like around the time you were a kid kind of watching come out of there? Um, I really watched Miles Bridges a lot coming out of here. You know, mm. he, he was really, really good, you know, in high school, you know, when, or in middle school when he played in Flint as well. He was real good. Yeah, yeah, obviously, and he's been through some stuff, but a tremendous player and tremendous athleticism and all of that. And um, so what do you think of this roster? I mean, you know, it's, I know it's been a whirlwind. Um, what do you – I mean, if you kind of checked out, um, I don't know who was in town or who you got to meet or whatever, but, you know, Jalen Bridges, obviously, hoping he comes back, the guy that came over from West Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's some interesting pieces of this. Uh, Everyday John – um, you know, that uh, you probably knew about him from afar because he was pretty amazing. Uh, uh, Wuna, Ojanwuna, I should say. What, what, any of those guys stand out to you when you, uh, when you met them? Um, uh, I met, uh, I met D'Antoine, I met, um, I met Langston, mm. I met all the guards, and then I met, uh, I met some of the bigs too, some of the bigs. They're all, they're all good, good guys for sure. Okay. Langston's known as a big time recruiter. And uh, and he he loves to get in the gym and that kind of thing. And he's a big guard like you are, so and a physical guy. But uh, well, this is uh, this is going to be exciting. And uh, I I got to say, man, I, I when you were like going to Austin to check that out, you know, I was kind of on pins and needles. So it was great to mm-hmm. see that news today that you were going to be a uh, a Baylor Bear, and uh, that'll be uh, that'll be exciting. That did you get to go over and and see the uh, the new arena going up, I, I bet that was kind of – you didn't put a hard hat on and, and walk around there, did you? Uh, no, nah, nah, Scott Drew did that, but uh, I, I watched it. You know, I seen them build and stuff. It was nice. Yeah, the Foster Pavilion, and you're gonna they're going to pack a ton of fans in there, and it'll be a home court advantage. I'm curious, your coach that was leaving to go to Penn State, uh, Mike Rhodes, what, what, was, uh, what was his impact like on you? What was uh, – because I, I bet that was kind of tough – thinking maybe you would play for him your whole career and then that, that didn't happen. What uh, what kind of impact did he have on you and what you, what was your biggest takeaway? What did you learn from Coach Rhodes? Um, coach Rhodes is a great coach. You know, he helped me helped me a lot, you know, just on and off the court. You know, he's a good guy. You know, he still he – still, he takes me today as well. So, you know, that's my guy for life for sure. 
All right. So he did. He wasn't mad at you for choosing uh, Baylor. I like that. Well, it was. Uh, um, it's exciting to think about and uh, get ready for you to to show up on campus. It'll be fun next year. Now you got to jump in and start recruiting other players, right? Is there anybody? Is there any of your old uh, former teammates or or uh, or anybody else in the portal you're already trying to talk into coming to Baylor? Oh no, not yet. Anybody, but anybody they want me to get out for sure. Be asking. <laughs> Do you have any green and gold? I mean, did you at least get some? Uh, did you at least get some t-shirts and shorts and yeah. that kind of thing? Yeah, I got some for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, that was uh, nice to visit with you and. Um, Man, that's it's exciting, and and Jaden, we're uh, and so your nickname just saw is Jay Nunn. Is that what people call yeah. you? Yes. All right, all right. You can work with that. There'll be some good NIL opportunities with the Jay Nunn. <laughs> you need to kind of launch, you know, your T-shirts and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. hey, it'll be uh, it'll be great to have you. Uh, congratulations, and look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. Look forward to meeting you as well. You bet. There he goes, Jaden Nunn. Um, 6'4", big guard, uh, very athletic, and and you heard it, known as a defensive stopper. This is ESPN Central Texas. Hey guys, it's Jana with Advanced House Leveling and Foundation Repair. I just wanted to take a quick second and tell you guys that we are available. We have appointments. If you have any questions about cracking your sheetrock, doors sticking, or if you're looking to buy a home and you have concerns, please feel free to give us a call. We'll send somebody out to take a look. Our number is 254-235-4922, or you can find us at fixitjimmy.com. Southern Drag Mode Association LLC presents the original Duel on the Brasses 2023 at Brasley Clark in East Waco on Saturday, July 22nd and Sunday, July 23rd. The fastest show on water. Gates open at 8 a.m. Racing begins at 8.30. Daily tickets are $30. Weekend pass, $50. And Cuda pass, $20. Get your tickets now at subwire.com. Duel on the Brasses 2023 at Brazos Park in East Waco, sponsored by Mission Golf Cars, Waco's local easy-go customer golf and utility vehicle dealer, Brazos Speed and Supply, SoCal Speed Shop, Premier Innovations, fun for the whole family. Listen to the Matt Mosley Show online at SyntechSportsFan.com. Qualifications and rules apply. See Genco FCU for detail. Warning, free Genco Casasa checking may lead to a rise in disposable income due to cash back on everyday debit card purchases, refunds on ATM fees, and eliminations of so-called service fees. Increased satisfaction may result while operating your Genco debit card. If you suffer from chronic money loss, search for help at any Genco branch office. This has been a financial health advisory, courtesy of Genco FCU. My money, my future, my credit union, Genco. Do you want a brand new boat? Right now you can get a boat cheaper than ever before at Marineland Boating Center, home of Yamaha Boats. For Marineland Boating Center's 40th anniversary sale, we're slashing prices like never before. For a limited time, you could save almost $10,000 on an awesome new boat. Also, for a limited time, we are offering a free water sports accessories package worth $1,000 with select Yamaha boats. But hurry, this 40th anniversary sale only lasts for 40 days or until we sell 40 boats, will you be one of the lucky few to save thousands of dollars? Imagine the happiness you would feel owning a new boat. Imagine the fun you could have. Imagine the feeling of freedom and relaxation you'll feel when you're out on the water. Check us out online at MarinelandWacoYamaha.com or Google Marineland Boating Center to see our reviews and you can see for yourself why we are the highest rated boating center in Central Texas. 
uh, Matt Mosley show, ESPN Central Texas. The Masters going on. We'll keep you updated uh, how everybody's doing there. But, uh, boy, I tell you, so excited to have Robert Brazil on with us, the great Oilers linebacker and uh, about to go in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Robert, uh, it's great. It's wonderful to have you on. I mean, I'm, I was kind of looking around on the Internet. How many Hall of Fames are you a part of now? I mean, this is. <laughs> I, my, I mean, but, you know, this means so much to me. Uh, uh, I know I got number, numerous of Hall of Fames, but to be recognized in the, the state that I only play for, I was only play for one professional team. It was the Houston Oilers. So all of my fans. You know, this is this is something for them. This is for me. This is their thanks to me saying, "Wow, Rob, we're gonna recognize you in Texas finally." But I'm so happy and excited about this. I can't wait to get there on the 15th. Yeah, well, Saturday the 15th, that you can still get tickets. T S H O F dot org, and people are very excited about the event. And uh, Robert, I mean, it's just unbelievable to think back on your career first of all when you found out about this what was the uh what was that like i mean again you got the call the pro football hall of fame you're in the mississippi hall sports hall of fame i think maybe my gosh alabama i mean you could just go state by state but but this is a really fun one connected to your time with the oilers um, what was that like, you know, finding out about this one, and and uh, and, and what what did it kind of mean to you? Well, first of all, you know, to be recognized with some of my old teammates and all the the un, un, uncountable athletes and and coaches that played and worked out in, in Texas, man. You know, I'm in, a, in the Hall of Fame now with finally Bud Home. I mean, Bud Bud Adams, the owner of the Houston Oilers. You know, we've been trying to get him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but I finally made one in Texas that he's in, so I feel so honored to be recognized in such a group of people that has always been that for me, and I want to be that for them. Well, and I bet your Oilers teammates are excited for you. I mean, those were fun years. You get in 1975, and I was reading when you found out you were uh, you were going to be – you know the NFL draft, boy. You were early in that draft. Did I did I read it right? Did you go get on a motorcycle and and kind of <laughs> kind of get out of there for a little while? I mean, several people on your Jackson State team, Robert, ended up uh, uh, you know getting drafted. I mean that that's pretty remarkable that 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 happened. Well, some good things happened for me and Walter Payton. You know, I like to give Walter his credit because of all the talent that he bought and the scout that he bought to Jackson State to give us a shot to sh- and a, a chance to show off our talent. You know, Walter and I knew that we was going to be drafted. We didn't know when and how, the number. But after we got drafted, it was other people on that team, and we just didn't want to hog the press about two number ones being drafted from Jackson State. So we, we, we said we're going to hire. We went and put motorbike, mo- motorcycle helmets on, and rode around the city dodging the press so we didn't want to make a big scene until we found out the other guys on that team had got their phone call. They got something that they had been drafted 
or some recognition from the NFL. So it was it was a a, a psychic game that we played with each other to try to make everybody feel good. <laughs> Did you ever get a clean hit on uh, Walter in practice? I mean, I'm sure then y'all encountered each other. You know, in the uh, in the NFL, I mean, did you ever get a? I mean, he was obviously he was he was he was so quick, and boy, sweetness. I mean, what an unbelievable, uh, the greatest of all time. I mean, depending on who you're well, talking about. But did yeah. you ever get a good clean lick on him? Well, I tell I tell everybody this: that first of all, I had the privilege of sleeping with two of the best running backs in the world. I thought it was Walter Payton in college and Earl Cameron on the road with the Houston Oilers. Now, let me say, I had to tell we was in different beds. I want y'all to get this wrong if y'all listen to me. We all had separate beds that we slept in, but I had something that everybody would love to have done. But when I practiced every day against Walter, it was bloodthirst for us every day. It was days that we went on, out on the, come off the practice field. We wouldn't even speak to each other. And it showed all in the pros. Walter came to uh, the Asher Dome. He was shooting for the record for the breaking uh, OJ's record, and we gave him 38 yards. And Walter wouldn't even speak to me after the game. (laughs) 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 My wife at that time literally took me by the hand and took me up on the Chicago bus and said, "Y'all, y'all cut this out. Y'all know y'all love. He just got the best of you this time. Walter, you're getting the next, the next time y'all play." But it was literally that's how. How we played against each other. <laughs> oh, I love that. Your wife kind of intervened there and and made yeah, sure. Hey, you guys are, yeah. Who buddies? We would have been through the ranks. <laughs> I just got the best that day. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh man, talking to Robert Brazil, going in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it is uh, it's really a great thing. Now you were uh, a forerunner. I mean, you were one of the first big. T- I mean, six four. They weren't built like you back in the day. I mean, now you you see people outside linebackers at your size, but it was kind of you and not many others that were like you at well, the you, time. Yeah, <laughs> you could probably count the two. You, you got uh, the guy that played out in Oakland, the stalk. Uh, uh, George Westwood had played in uh, mm-hmm. in Houston, but uh, I was one of the first to do what I'd done. You know, then you got to talk about the late, you know, I mean, the, the, the guy that took all our games. I'd say Lawrence Taylor took every bit of the outside linebacker and said, well, I'm going to show all y'all how to play this position. <laughs> <laughs> but you, he didn't. He didn't have to drop back in coverage as much as you were asked to do. Uh, in that 3-4, I mean, you covered tight ends, running backs. Uh, I mean, you had some great matchups, and you ended up with, I don't have it in front of me, quite a few. I mean, well, at least 13, I think I saw, all kinds yeah, of interceptions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was the, that's the only difference in our game. I was more of a uh, versatile linebacker. I used to tell people, and I still, I still tell kids today, if someone asks you what position you play, you say you play football. I could be taught to do anything I want to be taught on the football field, on the defense or offensive side of the ball. So my position, I learned how to cover running backs and tight ends. and wide I remember covering Nat Moore in Astrodome. He got one or two of them, but I ended up closing the show. We beat him in Astrodome because of my ability to cover 
a wide receiver, a running back coming out the backfield. Did they even test y'all in the 40 back then? I mean, I would think uh, speed-wise, I mean, there's no, you know, some of these guys that are real big now can run somewhere around 4.5 or 4.6. Were they doing something? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 4.4.5? Uh, yeah, but you got to understand, a four four five would have reached like a uh, a giraffe. So you couldn't. You, you, I run me, but I could still reach and catch you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I think one time when we were playing the Bengals, uh, Isaac Curtis called called a pass like a hook pass, and was headed down the sideline, and I ran him down before he uh, up in Cincinnati before he could score. And he's a sprinter. <laughs> you were as fast as you needed to be. You were going to keep them out of the end zone. Uh, yeah, I had, a little, I had a gear that I don't think I never used until I needed to use it. You keep that gear somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that from the late great Kenny Burrow. Kenny Burrow said I could outrun anybody. Again, think that anybody think they can outrun me? I'm gonna show them another gear. <laughs> Golly, did you see by the way that they're bringing back the uh, the double zeros? I mean, you just mentioned a name that made me think of double zeros, um, and they're they're going to let they're going to let NFL players wear that again. And the last time they did that, I feel like Billy White Shoes Johnson may have uh, Burroughs. I mean, back when they were doing like whatever that was called, some of those dances. I I, what was that? Was that the uh, well, Butch Johnson had yeah, yeah. uh, Billy did the sake chicken. Oh, uh, Burroughs did uh, <laughs> his thing. I don't know what he called his day. The Super Bowl is what he called it, I guess. But I'm so what happy if- that they're doing that because uh, I think that number is it says something to the person that cares. Everybody can't wear that number. Everybody just yeah. can't wear that number. I mean, you know, I think it's a sacred number that should be cherished because of who wore it and the people before Kenny, like, and whoever's going to wear it after, there should be somebody that well deserving of that number. The the other dance was the California Quake. Do you remember who Quake? did the California Quake? No, who did that one? That's Butch. That's Butch Johnson Quake. with the Cowboys. With the Cowboys, you know. Oh yeah, America's team. <laughs> did did you have a uh, a sack? You know, they didn't start keeping up sacks until a little bit later, and who knows how many you I think of Unofficially, you had around fifty. I bet you had even more than that, yeah. really, if, if truth I'm, be known. And uh, you and Harvey—I mean, think about how many sacks Harvey Martin probably had, oh my and they didn't—they oh didn't really keep it back then. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree. You know, you know, I'm so glad they start recognizing that because uh, it made a lot of people that should was deserving to go to the Pro Bowl they, they, that didn't get a chance because we was not keeping sacks back then. Because my other outside linebacker, Teddy Washington, I actually called him sack daddy because he, you know, he really gave me a lot, had put a lot in my game to show me how to rush the sack, I mean the quarterback. He, he was unbelievable, strong side linebacker for the uh, Houston Oilers, Teddy Washington. Oh, man. Talking to Robert Brazil on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Well, Dr. Doom became the nickname, and uh, and I've, I've seen you joke in the, in the past that, hey, you don't – you don't really go by that anymore. <laughs> How, where, tell us, uh, remind me where that uh, 
where that came from because boy the the nicknames were better back then you know in the 70s were, and early 80s they were great in the microwave in the nba vinnie johnson comes to mind they had some tremendous nicknames uh larry legend where, where did dr doom come from okay so i come out of jackson state i get invited along with walter and john tate from jackson state to play in the college all-star game. Remember the old college all-star game that was yes. played up in Chicago? So we go there. We got McWay Mag- Mag- from uh, the coach, the head coach from SC, had a middle linebacker named Richard Wood. His nickname was Batman. There's two other guys that had nicknames also, but it wasn't as, as definite as Batman. So we having breakfast that morning prior to the game. Howard Cosell is sitting at the end of the table and Richard looks in the Chicago Tribune. In the Chicago Tribune is a cartoon character named Dr. Doom. So we're sitting there eating. Richard said, hey, Robert, I found this out. I said, Richard, I'm Robert Lorenzo Brazil Jr. I want to make that name good. He said, no, you got to have a nickname, man. You got to have a nickname. So by this time, Howard stood up and over into our conversation. He said, Brazil? I said, yes, sir. He said, you take that doom part, or that Dr. Doom. You take that doom part and break it down. Let's break it down. Howard was so quick and fast with his tongue. He said, the D-O-O-M, death on offensive men. Ain't that what you do all day long? <laughs> yeah, I think I tried to do that. <laughs> so from that moment on, it, that moment on, it made sense to me that that Richard didn't know what he discovered. I would put it all together, and I was I was always honored that because those two guys made it famous, made it come up with the name, but I made it famous because of my hard work on the football field. I got to go read that comic strip or whatever and find that Dr. Doom. And I, when you were selling that story, I was hearing Howard Cosell's voice. I can, I can yeah. hear him. I can hear him saying that to you. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he had, a way of, he had a way of saying things and doing things. Howard, back that time, that Monday night football, really uh, announced the Pro Bowl before it was the Pro Bowl team. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that interesting that, uh, was it Gil Brandt who used to go, you know, Rayfield Wright came from one of the, the HBCUs, uh, schools. I guess that was, was that Fort Valley? Uh, Fort, Fort, Fort Valley State. Fort, yeah. Fort Valley State. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and then, Brandt, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about that also. Um, when I was at Jackson, you know how, America's team, the Cowboys, they would mm-hmm. send us letters and everything in the junior and the senior year. And uh, But I had a head coach named Bob Hill. Remember Bob Hill? He coached down at the Saints for a lot while. Bob uh-huh. Hill knew the type of athletes that he had. The scouts back then just didn't come out to the practices. They came out to a pro day. We had a pro day at Jackson State. This is where Bob here allowed everybody to come out, film us, tape us, review us, interview us, and do everything. So that day that they had that men walking 
showed out. I mean, honestly, we literally showed out. And other guys like John Tate, Ricky Young, uh, Leon Great, all these guys, they got a chance to go into the pros also because of that good pro day we had. So I really thought, because I was being hassled by the Cowboys, <laughs> you, know, they, you know, and they had the number one pick that year. You know, they just had drafted too tall that year before that from mm-hmm. uh, from Tennessee. And so when I said, well, they, they had a, but another pick the next year for that. So I said, I may even go in the first round. Walter said, you'd never make the first round. <laughs> first pick <laughs> in the nation. So they took all this information. They put, took all this information back to Dallas. And Gil Bryant said, this kid can't be that fast. He can't be that smart. So they come back up to Jackson a week later. And Bob Hill didn't tell me this afterwards, that they wanted me to redo the football. Bob Hill said, I can't do that because if I do that, I'm not allowing the other teams in the in the league to have the fast chance to do what y'all want to do. So I never did get that opportunity to redo what they, they had carried back to Dallas, which would have made me a number one pick in the whole nation. And I've been playing with a great group of guys, but I end up playing with the best group of guys I thought I could ever play with in the pro. But to you to know, that love you, group crowd was unbelievable, guys. I, 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 I cherish that every day because I think I was drafted to the team that I need to be. But I never would know how that came out because it didn't happen. But that's what I heard that it happened. Who, 75 for the Cowboys, would that have been like the Manster or something? Randy White? He would have been around yeah, there somewhere. But see, they drafted Randy White as a linebacker. Remember wow. when Randy from White Maryland. was drafted, he was drafted as a middle linebacker. Oh, my so goodness. That was the number one pick as a further linebacker to be drafted that year. <laughs> we ain't going to think yeah. about what could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, all you did is go have a pro football. You had a Hall of Fame career, and uh, that was love you, Blue. What a great time. You and Earl. I mean, there were some great personalities. Not just Earl. I mean, you and that that defense. I mean, that was a special group. And then, of course, with Bum, I mean, you had the coach that just fit. I mean, he's from uh, Port Natchez or Port Arthur, you know, that, that uh, yeah, for Port Arthur. And uh, uh, it, it, he just, it, with a cowboy hat and everything, was was he, was that really what he was like in practice and everything? Could he, was he one of those guys that kind of portrayed himself as real country, but he was a brilliant, like, mind when it came to all the X's and O's? Bomb was O.A. Bomb Phillip. What you saw what you got he was so you know i try to when i when i think of him i think of people like my dad my uncles everybody that try to do something positive for me all the time i can go to bone when i can go to my dad or i can go to somebody but i need a true answer because he was going to tell you the truth every time you know and i appreciate it and I've always really loved the idea that I had the opportunity to play for one. I'm looking at his picture right now across the wall for me. It's looking like he's sitting here saying, Rob, and I told you you was going to be all right. <laughs> 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 well, 
He he would be so excited, and you know if he were still around, he would be he would be leading the parade. He would probably even if you didn't ask him to to present you, he would probably show up and try to do well, it. He was, so he was, he was going to present me that that in, in, at the Hall of Fame, but wow. I gave just to my dad. But the, he, my dad knew that I wanted Bond to do it, but Bond wasn't there. But my dad needed to do what he had to do. He had just come out of a. Uh, some, some some illness that he needs to get over, and that Hall of Fame has made him a new person. They, my dad is ninety and still driving and running a uh, running a tight ship still today. I mean, awesome. a tight ship. Yeah, your dad. Well, that that is great. And uh, so, how does that work on uh, Saturday night, the fifteenth? This will somebody present you at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame? No, no, I think they're just going to introduce me to the crowd and have me come up and say a thank you note. <laughs> no, no, it's, not, it's nothing like the Hall of Fame. This is totally yeah. different, I think. I well, platform, it... uh, they give us, uh, I think, four to seven minutes to make a, a mm-hmm. thank you note because of the eight inductees that's going there. And it's a, you know, it's just kind of long when you get those preachers up there wanting to preach like some of, the class, some of my class members at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, I saw people walking around in Arden with a, 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 a offering tray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought Larry Allen's speech would be about 30 seconds, right? Because that's about how much he said to the media when he was with the Cowboys. I covered him. And then he gets yeah. up there, and it's like he's a great speaker. And he was he, yeah. he looked – I mean, he was sweating a little bit. But he did fine, and I thought to myself, all those years, he acted like he couldn't talk or, or didn't want to communicate, and then he gets up there at the Hall of Fame, and the guy does a great job. So <laughs> it was it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a different stage and a different time. But I have yeah. learned over the hall, over the years, and all, like you say, the different Hall of Fame that I have been in, they're all done a little different. And I try to respect the people that are sitting out there in the audience. I would like to sit there afterwards and meet all these people and talk to them, not preach to them. We go to mm-hmm. church on Sunday, but that Saturday night I want to be out with that and meet with them. You don't get a chance to really sit down with, you know, just think of my class, you know, the people that's in my class. And we got a great group of people that's in that class. Jose Cruz, Scott Drew, Agent Peterson, Michael Scrahan, Cynthia. I mean, come, come on, man, that's a, that's a hell of a class. I mean, Come on, yeah. You can't get it. You don't get no better than some of the names that I called up. That's a ho- that that's a home court advantage for Scott Drew, by the way. I mean, right there on the Baylor campus, basically. Uh, and so there'll be some Baylor people that show up, and uh, uh, yeah. And I bet John McClain shows up to uh, to honor you, the the, the Baylor man himself. I think better, you know, John McClain, you know. I got my speech over. I can't let reveal my speech to you, but I got to really thank him. He, he's been in my corner for a long time. He, he recognized me and my family. John was the only man that called me that could make me cry. <laughs> him and, him, him and uh, Dave Baker, when they called me about that pro football Hall of Fame, I cried like a baby. He still kept me about that. He was trying to get something to get on for the uh, – to say about me for the uh, about the Hall of Fame, and I could, could do nothing but Well, I mean, nine years, almost thirty years, 
waiting on something to happen good to you. Yeah, well, 20, I tell you. Almost 37 years. I mean, it was, it was, hot, it was hot, warm, and, and validation of every, every part of it. It was well-deserving. Yeah, well. Worth waiting for. Uh, you, you, uh. You waited, you know, a long time, and you 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 deserve to be in there. Remember, Drew Pearson also waited a long time. You know, Drew got kind of feisty with him. At one point, Drew was about to say to heck with you, but of course, it finally happens, and all of the all of that kind of goes away, doesn't it? And uh, it ends yeah, up being a a wonderful thing. It's nothing like that, go jacket. But this Texas Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, I mean, honestly. Y'all don't know how proud I am and how happy this makes me and my family to be recognized in a state that I wasn't even born in. But I I spent 10 great years in Houston. I gave it all. Yeah. I left everything I did in the Astrodome. Everything I had was still in Astrodome. Well, it's uh, I think back to those scouts like C.O. Bricado, who's a Baylor Bear himself, one of the great mm-hmm. Oilers slash Titans scouts and all those guys. Of course, he did it forever. And, and uh, boy, everybody thinks the world of you. All right, so it's the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, it's on the 15th. Uh, that's a Saturday night, and that's tshof.org. And you can go see Robert and some other unbelievable folks. Go, Jose Cruz Jr., I mean, these are Houston-area legends. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Robert. So, I mean, you, about the time you were doing that, you're doing your thing, Jose Cruz Jr., I guess he was a little after you, but he was. Uh, that, that would have been similar time, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he was doing that time because I'm going to tell you a little a story. I was out in the club one night, uh, and you had the nice clubs during the 70s. You can go out disco all night if you want to, up to 2 o'clock. So I'm sitting out there, and this lady come by me, and she said, hello. I said, hello, how you doing? She said, what's your name? I said, Robert Brazil. She said, no, you're not Robert Brazil. Robert Brazil sitting over in the corner. So I said, would you please take me to Robin Brazil? She said, yes. She grabbed me by the hand. We walk <laughs> over there. And when we walk up, it's Enos Cabello. Enos <laughs> <laughs> Cabello. I said, oh, no, yeah, that, that is Robin Brazil. So from that night on, if I was out in the club, I was Enos Cabello, and Enos Cabello was Robin Brazil. <laughs> so some people ask me, what's your name? I said, Enos Cabello. <laughs> both hall of famers i might add and so that yeah, works out yeah. uh <laughs> it works out yeah, pretty nicely fun. yeah the yeah texas, the texas fun yeah it's, that is a good texas fun all right well listen uh we can't wait to see you go in and uh, it's going to be so much fun and appreciate you doing this and i knew it would be great and it even exceeded my expectations i mean it was just so much fun getting to talk to you so uh robert i uh i appreciate it look forward to seeing you soon hey i appreciate it too man look and i'm gonna say this to you honestly if you ever need me to do anything for you you got my telephone number the answer was quick when you text me i was texting right back and i tried to get the first time that you had a vehicle 420 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you, I, people in my own family don't get back to me that quickly. So that was uh, yeah, we we learned how to text now. We used to make phone calls <laughs> and write letters. <laughs> that's a, that's the truth. All right. Well, that that'll be great. We'll see you soon, Robert. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you. All right. Thank you, man. And enjoy. It.
Oh, you bet. There he goes, uh, Robert Brazil on the Matt Mosley Show. Listen to ESPN Central Texas online at CentexSportsFan.com. Introducing the new B.O.B. Ballin' on a Budget Family Pack at Hellberg Barbecue. The B.O.B. Family Pack feeds up to four people. It includes one pound of pork steak, a smoked then fried half chicken, half pound of sausage, two pint sides, and a pint of their famous banana pudding, all for $40. And Thursdays from 4 until 7, you can save 20% on this deal. The B.O.B. Family Pack is available for just $32. Hellberg Barbecue, 8532 North Highway 6, Waco. What do you think a wealth manager's most important quality should be? I'm Joe Kaleo of the Kaleo Wealth Management Group. Wealth managers rely on knowledge to make decisions, but responsible wealth managers need to be guided by integrity. I've believed that for more than 25 years. Kaleo Wealth Management is a Central Texas team of UBS Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC. Got chronic joint pain? Not having success with steroids, but trying to avoid surgery? Well, thankfully, there's a better way, and it's now available here for the medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Hey, it's Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. I'm talking about new advanced regenerative medicine treatments that can restore and repair damaged tissue in your bad joints, providing lasting relief with no drugs, no surgery, and no downtime. QC Kinetics, nation's leader in precision regenerative medicine with over 100 clinics across America and literally thousands of satisfied patients. If you got joint pain due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, don't just think the old ways of dealing with pain are the only ways. You need to learn more about these new regenerative options that can change your life. Call QC Kinetics now. Free consultation with local medical professionals. 254-415-4100. 254-415-4100. That's QC Kinetics. 254-415-4100. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. Are you ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project? Founded in 1969, Barnett Contracting is your single source for preparing for your next build. Their services include excavation, utilities, civil engineering, concrete work, paving, and storm drainage. Do business with Central Texas' premier site work contractor, Barnett Contracting, where they strive for successful projects and satisfied clients. Learn more at barnettcontracting.com. In business since the 1940s, Alamo Steel of Waco delivers over 30,000 tons of steel nationwide every year. And now they're looking to grow their team. They're hiring fitters, welders, machine operators, maintenance and electrical technicians, and supervisors for their plant. Day and evening shifts are available. After 90 days of full-time employment, Alamo Steel offers a comprehensive benefits plan including medical, dental, vision, short and long-term disability, life insurance, 401k, and more. Full-time positions offer 40-plus hours per week. PTO begins day one of full-time employment. Hourly employees are paid weekly. At Alamo Steel, they believe in above-average pay to attract well-qualified individuals. Apply in person Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 2784 Old Dallas Road, one block off I-35 in Lacey Lakeview. 
Hey folks, Derek Scott here with Jim Turner Chevrolet. I'd like to thank everyone that supports JTC and that our family values your business. Our new inventory is growing daily and our used car inventory is stacking high. So give us the opportunity to earn your business with transparency and zero hidden fees. So give us a call, 254-840-3261 or 24-7 at turnerchevy.com. And remember folks, we're just a heartbeat away at McGregor. We treat you like family. Find new roads. Hi, this is Chuck Morgan of the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the home of Baylor Athletics and Rangers Baseball, ESPN Central Texas. You wouldn't call your doctor, accountant, or mechanic using a 1-800 number, so why your bank? If you have to dial 1-800, you don't know your bank, and your bank doesn't know you. Come to Central National Bank and experience the difference. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Central National Bank, your leading independent bank with locations in Waco, Temple, and Austin. And also at cnbwaco.com. Hey guys, it's Jana with Advanced House Leveling and Foundation Repair. I just wanted to take a quick second and tell you guys that we are available. We have appointments. If you have any questions about cracking your sheetrock, doors sticking, or if you're looking to buy a home and you have concerns, please feel free to give us a call. We'll send somebody out to take a look. Our number is 254-235-4922, or you can find us at fixitjimmy.com. If you are the do-it-yourself type and you need help finding a certain item to finish the job, remember Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Over 2,000 items are featured in their showroom, including hinges, latches, post caps, and ornamental iron from Spring Creek. Pioneer Steel and Pipe is also the location for welding rods and welding accessories. If you are looking for Makita power tools, grinders, and cutters, Hillman nuts and bolts, or primer and caulking for metal buildings, drop by Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Highway 6, Loop 340 South, Waco. From the Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios, this is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas. Matt Mosley, Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Paul Maneri joining us right now, former LSU coach, legendary coach, Hall of Famer. Paul, congratulations. You were on the field last night. I love some of those interviews and then to see the current coach come up and see you being interviewed, hugging you, uh, that, that was a pretty neat moment there. So uh, congratulations on, uh, on yet another College World Series uh, win. That had to be a pretty special moment for you. Well, first of all, it's good to be with you, Matt. Um, yes, it was a very special moment. You know, I've been out of coaching now for two years. I retired after the 21 season after my 15th year here at LSU. And uh, so there's still, you know, many players on the team that uh, my staff and I were responsible for getting them to LSU and recruiting them. Uh, Many of them we coached, most of them we coached already. So, you know, we had gone through a lot of the growing pains with them and, you know, just like every player has needs time to develop and so forth. So, you know, I, I just had to be there for them as they were striving to win the national championship this year and, Fortunately, they got the job done, and it was a very emotional thing for me because, you know, you, you, you begin with these players when they're 16, 17, 18 years old recruiting, and you get to know them and their families, and like I said, you go through the ups and downs with them in their development, and now you see them out there on the field as 
mature adults that are confident and competitors and they have the talent and they're going out there and, and on the verge of winning a national championship. And, you know, you feel like maybe you had a little bit to do with their development. And I just wanted to be there to support them. And, you know, that moment you mentioned about with Jay Johnson, our, our baseball coach that replaced me, uh, you know, that was really nice. You know, we, you know, I was down there just, you know, to want to, you know, congratulate everybody and a couple of members of the media would grab me and ask for a little interview. And I was in the midst of doing one of those when Jay walked by and he jumped in on the interview and it was good. You know, I, it's, you want to have a great relationship with the person that you, that replaced you or that you replaced. And I live here in Baton Rouge and Jay's going to be our coach for a long time. And I like to think we left him a good foundation with the team. And it was great that he recognized that. And, uh, yeah, it was nice. It was nice for everybody last night. What what was it like seeing some of those players you recruited? Dylan Cruz being one of those players who put the uh, put a ring on it. I like what he did during that game. I bet they were excited to see you down there, and and uh, that added even another layer to the celebration. What was what was that like to get to celebrate with them? Well, it was really heartfelt stuff. You know, I had gotten in on Friday. And everybody was, the team was staying at the Hilton, and that's why I was staying there. So I got the chance to see most of them in the lobby of the hotel, you know, over the course of the of the weekend before they won the game on Monday night. So we had, you know, spent some nice times together visiting about different things. and But then to be down there on the field with them, you know, I, I, I didn't want to take the spotlight away from the team or the coach, current coach, you know. It was their moment, but... I just wanted to be there to let them know I was supporting them and so forth. But once I, you know, saw that I was there, especially the kids that played for me, you know, they'd come over and give me big old sweaty hugs and stuff. And it was, it was, it was great, you know, and it gave me a chance to to congratulate Jay and his staff out there on the field. And, you know, people that care, there's so many people that care about LSU baseball uh, in and out of the state of Louisiana. Really. We, we have a lot of followers over in Texas and, of course, you know, Kim Mulkey came from your area there to be our basketball coach, and Kramer Robertson uh, played for me, and we're, we almost won the national championship in 2017 with him as our star shortstop. So, you know, it was just it was just really nice to, to be able to show people out there that uh, when you're a part of LSU baseball, it's a lifetime deal, you know, and, you know, different, different eras you know, flow right into different eras, but we all have this commonality that we love LSU and love LSU baseball, and the players are great representatives of our university. Now, they, they allow them to have mustaches now, don't they, Coach? You you did not <laughs> like the facial hair. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit old school. You know, I, I, I just felt, you know, that I wanted our players always to present, you know, as great role models to youngsters, and I wanted to see, you know, players make be willing to make some sacrifices to be part of something bigger than themselves. Um, but you know, the things every coach can coach his own way, and you know, they're a little more lenient these days than they were when I was there. But um, you know, good for them. You know, if that's if it helps them make them play better, and they're still representing the school in a positive way, then I, I guess it's not that big a deal. <laughs> I mean, it's a wild, your connection to LSU. You started your playing career there. You finished your career there. By the way, your career may not be over baseball-wise because Miami was coming after you. You decided not to pursue that, but you did go down there and visit with them about that. It's hard. 
Um, and you're a young guy, and you're in seem to be in great shape. But 65 years old, um, is it hard to to close the book? I mean, do you still kind of get that even in being in Omaha, where you kind of like, man, I'd like to, I'd like to do this again. How do you, um, how do you feel about all that? Are you, or do you feel like you really can just live there in Baton Rouge and enjoy being around all your great friends? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Matt. I wish I had a good answer for you on that one. Um, you know, I did, I really didn't want to retire two years ago. I, it really kind of felt like I had to. I had, had been having some some real issues with my my neck physically, and I I had to. It required two different surgeries that were about eleven months apart. One was uh, uh, following the nineteen season, and then one was following the twenty season. And so the second surgery was right before what turned out to be my last year, and I was just in such physical pain throughout that season. Uh, that I it was affecting my ability to coach the kids and interact with the kids and do the things that I felt were necessary. So I just felt it was time for me to step down to a to take care of myself physically uh, and b you know to to do the right thing for the program because I I just felt that you know somebody younger and more enthusiastic and more energy and physically fit could probably do a better job than me at that point. As hard as that was to admit to myself. But uh, I feel much better now. You know, it's taken about two years for me to feel better. I feel great. I don't feel 65 years old. I feel much younger than that. Uh, I could have gone back uh, to Notre Dame after my first year out, but I still physically wasn't willing to do that. I just couldn't do it. Miami reached out to me this year, and that's where I grew up in in South Florida. So I thought, you know, what's it going to hurt to go down and talk to them about it? Um, and they, they, they have a great administration there. They have great vision for the program. But there were some other issues that I just needed to, to work my way through, you know, personal issues. Uh, and I just didn't think it was the right time for me to do that either. So whether or not other opportunities even come about, I don't know. And if they do, whether or not I would jump at them to do them or not, I can't answer that either. I guess it would depend on the situation, how comfortable I would. But I do feel like I have something to offer people, and uh, I just got to find what that is, whether it's still in coaching or out of coaching. Paul Maneri joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What about the the fact that this has become, in the SEC at least, a revenue sport? All those years at Notre Dame, you get to LSU. Did you think, did you see it heading this way or does it surprise even you that it's now uh to that point where schools are pouring millions upon millions nil players are getting offered nil deals worth what you know hundred thousand dollars uh, did you see it happening or does it even surprise you to the point it's uh and it, of course it's very exciting some of it's different but it is exciting how big it's become on these college campuses. Matt, it, does, it didn't surprise me that, that people cared so deeply about SEC baseball because I saw it from afar when I was coaching at Notre Dame. Even when I was at the Air Force Academy, I, I saw that it was happening that way. And really, you have to give all the credit in the world to Skip Bertman, who was kind of the, the father of the modern-day uh, SEC baseball, LSU baseball. You know, he won five national championships in one decade in the 90s. And it kind of coincided at a time when LSU football was struggling. And so a large 
amount of fans decided that they wanted to really follow LSU baseball, and they were packing the old Alec Box Stadium regularly, which was producing revenue and allowed LSU to become a self-sufficient sport. And, of course, they were having such great success. So uh, I think what happened was a lot of athletic directors and a lot of presidents at Southeastern Conference schools kind of looked around and said, look look what's happening over there in Baton Rouge. And really it was happening in Starkville, Mississippi as well with Mississippi State. And and they started asking themselves, you know, what if we put resources into our program uh, facility-wise, co- get a good coach, you know, give them operating budgets? Could we have a baseball program that our community, our school could be proud of and potentially be self-sufficient? And I think the answer that most of those presidents and ADs said was yes. So, you know, schools that traditionally were not powers uh, in baseball, you know, I, I hate to single out schools, you know, but Kentucky or Vanderbilt or even Georgia, Florida, whatever, you know, they, they were not known as great powers in college baseball. Well, they started investing in their programs, and now you have all these top-ranked schools coming out of the Southeastern Conference, and it's it's become an arms race. You know, facilities are going up. Coaches are getting paid more. There's bigger budgets, and, of course, this whole transfer portal NIL thing is a new phenomenon the last couple of years. But, you know, the stakes are higher. You know, if you can if you can have a great team, you know, the people are going to come and watch them. And, they, and we've invested in facilities and so forth. So I'm not surprised by really any of it. The only thing that's surprising to me maybe is that other parts of the country aren't pushing it the same way. But even though you got great weather in California and, and maybe even in some places in Texas and so forth, you don't see the same commitment to college baseball. Uh, as you do in the Southeastern Conference. And I think that's why, you know, on a regular basis, you're, you, we have been seeing, and we're probably going to continue to see, you know, maybe half the field in Omaha or more be Southeastern Conference schools going forward. Do you think OU and Texas are ready for this? I mean, how do you, you know, obviously they've had great tradition, Texas especially, OU more recently, but they've had a good run as well. Do you think they're ready to take that plunge into the spending and everything it takes to compete in the SEC? <laughs> well, I, don't, I couldn't answer that, but I don't know the inner workings of those schools, but they better be. <laughs> the SEC <laughs> is a very unforgiving conference. Um, if, you're, if you don't have the horses, uh, you're going to have a tough time. You could, you could lose every game on an SEC schedule because on a given day, if you don't if you don't bring an A game with good players, you, you're going to lose uh, in this conference. And, you know, if, if Texas and Oklahoma are serious about having good baseball programs, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need to make those commitments. And they may already have, I don't know the inner workings of their programs. They obviously have two very rich traditional athletic departments as holes and also, uh, you know, baseball. So, my guess is that they're going to be really good fit for the South Eastern Conference. I think it's only going to enhance the, the quality of competition, and uh, I'm sure that they'll compete very favorably as well. What do you think of uh, Paul Skeens? I mean, that's really interesting that you were at Air Force. He's from Air Force, transfers in there, makes a, an enormous impact on this team, becomes their ace. He's an interesting guy. Um did, have you gotten to be around him at all? And I mean, is there? Do you think he gained some things out there at Air Force that he brought a little bit of that mentality 
to this LSU staff? What have you been able to kind of find out from from watching him and and maybe even being around him a little bit? Well, I haven't spent a lot of time around him in answer to that part of the question. Uh, just in, just enough to say hello to him and have brief conversations. Uh, but I'm very familiar with the United States Air Force Academy, having been the coach there for six years. In fact, I was the very first civilian baseball coach they had. Prior to my arrival there, they always had an active military officer uh, performing as a baseball coach. But years ago, they decided they wanted to try to have a good baseball program, and they thought they should hire you know, somebody that was, had made coaching their their chosen profession. And I was fortunate enough to be able to be named the coach there. One of my players way back in 1991 and two and three uh, was a young man at that time by the name of Mike Kozlowski. Well, Mike is now the head coach at the United States Air Force Academy. After he completed a 20-year flying career, he used to fly C-17s for the Air Force. But he's he is like one of the most unique individuals He's like a son to me, and he's just really phenomenal coach. He teaches these cadets every day at the Air Force Academy not only how to play good baseball, but you know life lessons. Teaches them how to become warriors and winners, which is what the university or the institution, I should say, is is trying to develop. And uh, so he built he builds toughness in them, and he and he builds confidence in them, and he's doing everything that they can do. So Paul was exposed to that for two years at the Air Force Academy. Any cadet that attends the academy, whether in sports or not, uh, has a major decision to make after their sophomore year. Do they stay in their junior year at the academy? If they do, they're now committed to finish their, their time of four years at the academy and then serve the United States Air Force uh, in active duty. I, I don't know what the commitment is now. When I was there, it was either five or six years or seven years, something like that. But it, I assume it's something similar. But but it, what you're basically doing then is foregoing any chance of professional baseball. So these kids have a tough decision to make. The cadets have a tough decision to make. And obviously, Paul chose to leave the academy so that he could pursue his professional baseball aspirations. I, and, you know, at first I was a little upset with him. You know, I, I, I just felt that the academy was, you know, a place of honor and this is where you go and you commit yourself to a, a life of dedication to your country and serving your country. But, you know, obviously when he came here, you could see why he had such a tough decision. The talent is you'd have to be, you know, ignorant to the game of baseball to not see how good he is. And I can tell you this, Matt, I've coached, I coached 40 years in Division One baseball and I've never seen anybody better than this kid. I mean, who throws 100 miles an hour every fastball, including the 125th pitch of the game? It's it's like almost a freak of nature that the things that he's doing. He he looks like he's ready to step into a major league rotation tomorrow and and be one of the top pitchers in the in the league. So you know, I can totally understand why he made this choice. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be very beneficial to him financially and he gets to pursue this stream, but I know it was a tough decision for him because I was very, like I said, very close to the coach there. And I, you know, he, he kept me abreast of the conversations that they were having. And it was a very emotional time. I'm sure for Paul to make the decision to leave the Academy, but you're right. I think he brought a toughness to the team uh, you know, a dedication to the team that maybe those guys hadn't seen, you know, 
except for coming from a, a cadet from the United States Air Force Academy. Paul, I'm trying to imagine you getting in the face of players. You sound so calming, and you have such a great demeanor. So <laughs> <laughs> does Kim Mulkey, right? <laughs> no, no. Kim does not sound like you do, and I've, I've talked to her plenty over sure the years. <laughs> well, you know, you know, as coaches, you know, we're we're in it for kids. You know, we're in it to help young people develop into their develop their full potential to become successful in sports and learn life lessons while they're doing it. And you know, you have to love them. You're you're doing it for them. You know, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it because you want to work with young people. And sometimes young people you know they want to settle for mediocrity or not fulfill their potential and that's where a coach sometimes has to challenge them because they know they have more in the tank that they're just not willing to give at that time and so as coaches Kim myself and any other coach that is a decent coach you know and has any success is going to push their players for you know to be successful that doesn't mean that you don't like the player, you're not being demeaning, you're not being derogatory, you're just challenging them to fulfill their potential. And I know some, some coaches are more vocal than others. Um, you know, I I think I have a mix of that when I was a coach. You know, sometimes I challenged them and sometimes I hugged them and told them how much I loved them, you know. And you just got to do what's right for the kid to try to have them fulfill their potential, show them that you really believe in them and that, you know, they're capable of doing great things. Paul, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, uh, that's got, it's got to be such an amazing moment to see all these guys that you recruited do something this special and, uh, and to be a part of it and everything. So I was very excited to get to catch up with you today. I really appreciate the time. Well, I, I enjoyed talking to you, Matt, and it was a very, very special time for me. And, and, and I guess a, some kind of a weird way brought a little bit of closure for me in my coaching at LSU, you know, to see this group of kids that will probably be leaving now and going into professional baseball, to, you know, to finish on such a high note. And I was very proud of them, and, and I'm glad I was there to share it with them. Thank you for having right. me today. You bet. There he goes, Paul Maneri, LSU, longtime coach, 2007 to 2021. Had a great run there, and he followed arguably the greatest college coach of all time. Not a, not an easy job. All he did is go to about five or six college World Series, won one of them, 2009, and uh, um, you know it just it, he just happened to follow this guy that had won like six of them, six national championships. Like following these Texas coaches who've been to. 30-something, 37 College World Series. I mean, it's in, it's insane. But Paul Maneri, good guy, good. I mean, he just has that patient sound about him. And uh, neat. I just really thought that was interesting to get to catch up with him. He recruited uh, at least like nine or ten of the normal players, pitchers, that were part of this LSU National Championship team, retired in 2021. Jay Johnson takes over, and then Jay Johnson LSU win the national title. This is ESPN Central Texas. Jesse Britt's Automotive wants to help your car get ready for the Texas heat. 
Now through Saturday, they're offering free automotive AC checkup with any vehicle service at Jesse Britt's Automotive. Plus, let them help keep your car roadworthy with their computerized alignments discounted for a limited time at only $49.99. The alignments come with free tire rotation and free visual brake inspection. Just mention this ad, Jesse Britt's Automotive. Discounting your prices, not your service. A bank in any town USA treats everyone like, well, anyone. At Central National Bank, we provide Central Texans with a different kind of banking. We believe in people over processes, listening over telling, and helping our customers over helping ourselves. Come to Central National Bank and experience the difference. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This date's going really well. We're going to be such a great couple. Whoa, I think you're going a little fast. Yeah, I know, I know. We just met, but we've got chemistry. I think you better slow down. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. I thought you were feeling it too. I'm feeling like you're driving too fast. Slow the car down, please. Speeding is dangerous, and speeding tickets are costly. Oh, (laughs) that's funny. You were talking about my driving. (sighs) I was talking about both. Be safe. Drive smart. A message from TxDOT. ESPN Central Texas is 1660 AM, 92.3 FM, and 100.9 FM. What do you think a wealth manager's most important quality should be? I'm Joe Kaleo of the Kaleo Wealth Management Group. Well, number one, I believe, I could be wrong, he was very high on the list. And, you know, for somebody 6'3", 230 five pounds or whatever he is to uh, be able to do the kinds of freaky movement skills and, and, and the, the, the mass and strength that he carries. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's a, an honor right there. I think he was deserving to be in the, you know, near the top of that list anyway, but you, you can get a little bit frustrated at the, the lack of, you know, massive plays that he made. I thought he, again, kind of like we were saying with Ika, maybe a, a little bit more playmaking the year before I have to kind of measure him up and go back to my notes a little bit, but you know, he's a good pursuit player for a guy who's that, who's that big. I mean, he's, I saw him, you know, chase down people from behind or at least be in on plays that you wouldn't normally expect that size of a guy to be in on. And, you know, I think playing on a, a, a more talented defensive line, like the Cowboys have, not that Michigan was, you know, some trash unit or anything, but still, I mean, just, having the kind of uh, pass rush talent with Lawrence and Parsons and, and all the rest. I mean, I think it's going to help him as well. Um, he did see obviously a lot of combo blocks was in the trenches there and, you know, did kind of get caught up in the trash at times. And I, I guess I, I felt like it was a solid pick. I don't know that I thought it was a, a mind blowing pick at anything, but it was apparently between him and Peter Bergeron, the uh, offensive lineman there from Syracuse, which is an interesting call there. With Luke Schoonmaker, you know, he's kind of a late bloomer a little bit. Last year was sort of his coming out party a little. And I don't think you see a sky-high ceiling, but you have a pretty darn high floor. I, You know, talking to Eric Galco, who runs the East-West Shrine game, you know, when the, when the rosters were announced, I said, give me the, the three highest – drafted prospects at your game and it was zay flowers the first round pick aiden o'connell who we thought would go a little higher maybe but um and then luke schoonmaker so he was definitely right about the the first you know the schoonmaker and flowers and they i think were very well liked by scouts schoonmaker is probably your your b plus prospect 
he doesn't necessarily have that one superpower that, that separates him and makes him a, you know, he doesn't have the freakish athleticism, but he does have very good size. I think he's a very competent blocker, and I think he's a very trustworthy receiver. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, running 25-yard seam routes or corner routes or anything you don't normally see from a tight end, but he'll run the full tight end route tree, run it effectively, good solid hands. He'll jump in there with Ferguson and what Peyton Hendershot, I would think, would be the third guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty good trio. So I think both are ready made to play right away. And for, for a contender, that's, that's not bad. Eric Edholm, NFL Media, joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. He's been our national draft expert for many years now. No matter really where I am, I like Eric is my guy. Uh, I like how you finish this thing. I don't think you really fired up Cowboys fans, though. Your, your summary, it's a mostly unsexy crop but a fairly respectable one. <laughs> you, like, yeah. you know, you have a, you have a, a first date that you probably know isn't going to lead to marriage, but it, there's nothing offensive about it. You want to thank the person you're with. Hey, you know, unsexy, but respectable. I think that's a good way to say it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boy, speak for yourself on those first dates. I came out, I came out firing early. Okay. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was better than respectable. All right. Now, um, I, you're kind of excited about Deuce Vaughn, so we'll get to that in a second. But this sure. other guy, Fajoko, concerns me because it's kind of like, ah, he's kind of squatty, he's kind of thick, but he's, boy, big, lots of, ta- you know, lots of uh, production, very productive. Of course, you always have to watch out because it's at San Jose State. I mean, it's yep. not like he was just dominating the greatest, you know. But, again, as you've pointed out, he kind of got better. He kind of, as the, as each year went on, guy got better and better. Um, I mean, is this, to me, you're indicating that everybody after, with the exception of maybe Deuce, everybody after, well, even after the first two rounds, we don't know how immediate the help might be. And I guess it's a lot of NFL teams. But Fajoko, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Fajoko, I think, is, is a pretty interesting player, too. And I would say that, you know, probably because of the depth they have, you know, again, there's going to be maybe a little bit of a limit to, to what you can expect or what you should expect out of him. But, um, you know, I, I thought it was a good player when I watched it. And, I mean, I thought he, you know, certainly for where did they get him in the mid-fourth round, late-fourth round, you know, I thought that was yeah. a good landing spot, too. Uh, you know, Asim Richards as well. UNC has some some nice moments. A pretty good football player. Overshone, I think, is going to be a, a contributor as well. I mean, Fajoko, as you said, I mean, this is a guy who I think did improve every single year. He was a fifth-year guy, I believe, and came to school, if I'm not mistaken, as a tight end. And so, you know, somewhat new to defense. And, and uh, as he transitioned there, you just – you know, you kind of felt like this is a, a smart player, thickly built guy, but the consistent backfield production and the, uh, you know, I watched two games and I think he had three, four fumbles or so. No, three games and two, four fumbles. So, you know, again, a disruptor, somebody who's may not be darting into the backfield with, you know, incredible quickness, but um, pretty light on his feet for his size and, you know, hands on the ball and trying to trying to dislodge it. So, I think that's uh, you know a good element to, to have in your in your in your bag. Yeah, Deuce five five. I mean he's tiny, but that's going to be fun. 
and the and the story is okay. really neat. His dad, as a scouting director or a uh, scout for the Cowboys, that was really cool. Him to call his son. We know him because it was not too far away down the Austin area where he played. He goes to K State, and you can't help but get Darren Sproles type vibes. Players like this. If they're to be successful, it's because they're so quick. It's because they can kind of hide behind the offensive line. You don't want to get them too much exposure. But I guess right. the reason he held on as long as he did is there's not great like 40 time. I think, in fact, he was like a 4-6 type guy. But but from a playmaking standpoint, um, I, 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 I feel like, uh, Eric, you were pretty excited about this pick. I was, yeah. I mean, I... I was curious to see where he'd go. I thought fourth, fifth round would not have been too early, you know, given the size concerns and, you know, just the, 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 the workload expectations for a player of that build. I mean, he did a great job in college, you know, took handoffs between the tackles, you know, got caught screen passes, even caught some wheel routes and different stuff. And, you know, they would, they would get the ball into his hands a lot. Not realistic for him to have, that vast a role in the NFL, but they have Tony Pollard. And I felt like they needed some insurance for Tony anyway, given the injury and Zeke's gone and, you know, the whole thing. I mean, just sort of felt like a, a, a natural that they would add some kind of running back in the draft. I didn't immediately think of, of Vaughn, although I did know of the connection of, of Chris, his dad, as you mentioned, and gave us the feel-good moment for, uh, for the weekend. That was awesome. Uh, texted with Chris briefly afterwards and said, you know, just I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did watching. And he seemed to be pretty over the moon about the whole thing. But they got a really good football player for a really good value. And that's you know, that's important. And I think if you picture him in a 8-12 to 12 touch role, you know, behind Tony and uh, schemed up touches, but also some third down opportunities when things break down, you know, good outlet options, somebody who's a smart receiver, catches the ball well naturally. Um, tough as heck for the, for the size of package he is. I mean, he took some big hits in college and, and just kept going. And if you think kind of like Tariq Cohen a couple of years ago with the, with the Chicago bears who carved out a nice role before he had some real mm -hmm. knee trouble, mm -hmm. that's the kind of player I think they're getting. And I hope it works out because he's one of my favorite players to scout and watch. And uh, the several years that I've seen him now, I mean, he's, he's been, He's been a terrific college player, and I think he'll be a very nice uh, pro as well. All right. In the, uh, the fact that you did give the Eagles an A is, uh, is very concerning to me. Uh, you, <laughs> love, apparently you love that draft, and you just feel like – now, it, it became comical, their love of Georgia players. They already had a couple from last year's draft. They go two more Georgia players in the first round, and then they go – uh, another Georgia player, the cornerback in the fourth round. What was the biggest reason you like this Eagles draft so much? Well, they had a lot of ammunition, first of all, and I don't think they missed on a lot of those shots. I mean, you know, the the grading system is a little unfair, and I am kind of working with the parameters that we had kind of worked out before, which is, look, we're, we're judging the picks. So the Miami Dolphins with four picks are going to be at a disadvantage to begin with, right? And teams that had more ammunition, more high selections are naturally going to get some of the higher grades uh, unless they made really curious decisions, you know? So they were obviously in a pole position to start with anyway. So 
obviously I think the Carter pick is going to determine whether this is a a draft or a B minus draft. I mean, if he's a, if he's a total flop, you know, you could obviously hold it very much against them, but if there's an environment in which he can succeed with now five college teammates on his, on the roster, uh, you know, guys that he looked up to like the Kobe Dean and uh, you know, Jordan Davis and, Obviously, the the two uh, teammates this year, Nolan Smith, very inspirational locker room guy. I think he's guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and I think we'll we'll win with effort and things like that. You got Fletcher Cox, maybe the last year of his of his Eagles career. You know, they've already lost uh, the the one D tackle out to, to to the 49ers. There's a role for him. There's expectations very high. A team that's had success. Um, you know, the, the, the situation couldn't be more perfect for him to thrive. So that kind of helped it too. They made their own bed and it's a good bed to be in. So, you know, th- those two picks were, were smart, thought good value at both. Although Smith, I'm not quite as enamored with as some people are. Um, and Keely Ringo trading the 2024 pick to get him. I get why they did it. They can, they can afford to do it with all the extra ammunition, but Still got to figure out what position he plays. He's sort of a safety body, shaky coverage skills at times. Gave up a lot of passes to Ohio State, you know, in the in the uh, semifinal game. Had a lot of rough reps this past season. But, boy, is he a gifted athlete. And you, you have a lot to work with with him. All right. And uh, Big 12 did pretty well, by the way. First round, 60% of Big 12 teams landed a player. We've seen them do a lot worse than that. And uh, the Horn Frogs, I got to point that out. They, the Rams were were in love with former Horn Frogs players, even guys that ended up at different places. And then the Chargers, for some reason, the Rams and Chargers both took a lot of TCU players. But uh, I think that speaks to the, the the talent that Gary Patterson brought in back in the day, and of course the way it's been developed recently. But uh, I, th- I thought it was an overall a little bit better, even though Baylor was not as big as they were last year. Overall, the Big 12 was very respectable. Yeah, obviously TCU had, had a brilliant year. You know, you can you can make whatever jokes you want about the, the finals. I mean, they, they had a tremendous season, and it was it was great to see them have the success they did. And, and you're right about the Chargers. You know, obviously, Quentin Johnson, Darius Davis, um, and then uh, the late, late pick of Max as well. And that's kind of the athletic guy that they've, you know, Easton Stick and, and uh, you know, uh, Chase Daniel and guys like that. So he fits what they've looked for in their backup quarterbacks. And uh, Steve Avila could start right away for the Rams. So, yeah, I mean, just for TCU by itself, I thought, you know, had a really successful weekend. D winners landed in a good spot in San Francisco. So, but yeah, the Big 12 in general, and they even, there were even some who slipped through the cracks, like Anthony Johnson from Iowa State, I thought would go a round or two higher than he did, maybe even more than that. I was a little shocked he slipped as long as he did. And uh, Xavier Hutchinson, same thing. I thought, you know, slid a little farther than I expected, but, you know, it's, it's, definitely about uh some of the higher picks and, and it was a good weekend for the conference that's you know obviously taken taken its uh, its lumps over the years as conference realignment and the, the college world has changed but um you're always happy i'm a, I'm a big 12 guy at heart you know when i was at mizzou that's where we were we were big eighth and big 12 so it was, it was nice to see the conference do well 
All right, there's a Mizzou guy that ranks high in the Big 12 right now who is like the final class as they're going to the Big 12 named Clark Williams. He's high up in the Big 12 now. He's a fellow Mizzou graduate. And then just to uh, put these names on your radar, by the way, Eric, for next year, Gabe Hall, who has been on the freaks list. He might be a guy to keep an eye on this year from Baylor. And then T.J. Franklin. Uh, from Temple, Texas, big time uh, player who I think is about to have an enormous year. So you know, I always like to tip you off on a few of these Baylor players sure. to to get you off and running. All right, that helps me. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I, I I make my list sometime in in May, maybe early June, where I start. You know, and I already know the first sort of fifteen thirty guys I'm going to look at. You know, the big names like the Caleb Williams and the Drake Mays. But hey, these are the these are the picks that I gotta you know, got to fill in the rest with, and, and there, there are quite a few players. So we, we, time's a waste, and we only got, what, 358 days till the next draft, so got to get going on it. All right, yes, you and I start watching the film, and we'll get this <laughs> thing ready. And, uh, Eric, great to visit with you. Get a little rest, and then we'll do it again. Yeah. Looking forward to it, my man. See you soon. You bet. Eric Edom uh, with NFL Media. Uh, You see his work up on NFL.com, and he is the lead draft writer for the NFL. All right, there's something fascinating that I wanted to talk to you about, and it involves, well, I had that bad neck injury uh, almost three years ago and a bike accident, and so I still, you know, have issues and pain and that kind of thing. And, you know, when people have that, I mean, you're looking, how could I do something where I don't have to have surgery or I don't have to have constant steroid shots? Let me tell you about QC Kinetics, the new advanced regenerative medicine treatments that can restore and repair damaged tissue in your bad joints, providing lasting relief with no drugs, no surgery, and no downtime. All natural way to use highly concentrated healing properties from your own body to give you lasting relief. All right, if you've got joint pain, due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, uh, neck pain for me, don't just think the old ways of dealing with pain. You need to learn more about the new regenerative options that can change your life. Now, here's the number. Listen to this. 254-415-4100. That's 254-415-4100. That's QC Kinetics, 254-415-4100. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. Did you know there are more Lego figures than there are actual people on Earth? Did you know that a well-known fast food chain once created bubblegum-flavored broccoli? Or how about that gorillas burp when they're happy? Hi there, this is Foundation Doctor, and I like teaching you new things. When it comes to foundation repair, there are a lot of things to learn, and you can get overwhelmed in a hurry. What kind of peers? How do they work? What kind of warranty? What about my plumbing? Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get sucked into that vortex of this guy versus that guy, or this method or that. At the Foundation Doctor, we offer more methods and options than anyone in town. We've been doing this a long time, and we know what works. Let us teach you what we know and guide you through this most challenging process. It doesn't have to be painful. So give the doctor a call today at 863-8800 or look us up on the web at INeedTheDoctor.com. So for doors that are sticking and cracks in your walls, the Foundation Doctor will make a house call. 
Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-659-7540. 800-659-7540. 800-659-7540. That's 800-659-7540. The Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, and uh, Cincinnati Bearcats are with us today. I just had your athletic director, John Cunningham, good dude, mm -hmm. and Jawan Briggs, defensive end. You're kind of getting used to being called that, it sounds like. I've played kind of <laughs> inside, moving outside a little bit, but uh, all conference last year. Jawan, welcome to the show. Great to have you this morning. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, you've had an interesting career because you started at Virginia. Mm -hmm. Well, you're great in academics. We were just talking off here about some of your, your past. Uh, but but you came back to your hometown. What went into that decision? And, and probably when you were making that decision was about the time Cincinnati had just gone to the, the, uh, the playoff. I mean, the first team from the group of five to accomplish that. What all, what all went through that and how, how much has it paid off for you? Yeah, so uh, I'd say, first of all, you know, I enjoyed my time at Virginia. It was great. You know, out there the coaches were great, very yeah. knowledgeable. You know, you know, the players were great. The culture was great. You know, but going into my second year, you know, I was starter. I started 14 games there. Going into my second year, you know, playing well and everything. You know, everything was going well. But uh, I'm actually a father of two, almost three. So my, first, my son was being born. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I wanted to do the best thing for me and my now wife. And that was either going home where she is, and she's from Philly, or going home to Cincinnati. And, you know, Cincinnati was going great there. They were going to the Peach Bowl against Georgia. And, uh, you know, as you said, we also were going to the college football playoff yeah. the next year when I was there. So it was kind of one of those no-brainer things, man, just go back and play for your city. They didn't get to the promised land, right, until you got there. Let's 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 make sure <laughs> we get that one right. Uh, Juwan Briggs joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Now, I love that we're talking about you being a vocalist, and, and in fact, when you're in Virginia, one of your majors sounds like you've got a kind of all double majors and that kind of thing, but mm -hmm. was music, mm -hmm. physics. Did you say mm -hmm. also physics? Okay. Um, so, what are you? What style of music are you most interested in, and and are you a uh, baritone or tenor, or what do you what is your background music-wise? Yeah, so uh, I'd say you know the most interesting type of music for me to study would be uh, classical or operatic music. Uh -huh. You know, um, I'd say the most you know comfortable thing for me to sing would be uh, you know be it an R and B song, a ballad, something like that, a little something more recent. Um, as far as you know, am I a tenor, baritone, or bass? You know, I've been told I have a fairly large range. As you might be able to tell from my speaking voice, it sounds low, but I actually uh, was a tenor in all of my uh, in all of my college classes, all of my college courses. So, you know, I have that higher range as well. The falsetto's there as well. So, 
you know, but in classical operatic music, you're not really delving into that falsetto much. You're really mm -hmm. more of a really high, full voice, high head voice, but make sure you're making a loud, full, full sound with that. Have you ever been asked to do the national anthem before game? Uh, no, not yet. You know, I think a lot of guys are still, because I'm not a pompous guy, you know, you're not, I'm not going to walk up to you and be like, hey, I'm a singer. Hey, yeah, do this. Mm -hmm. I can sing. You know, so a lot of guys are just now figuring out that I got that in the bag. So we'll see what happens. Now, obviously, you want to play in the NFL at some point. Mm -hmm. This move to kind of focus moving outside, um, what do you what do you kind of hope to accomplish? Obviously, I'm sure you hope it leads to more sacks, but it looks like to me, you know, even from the inside, you were applying pressure and all of that. What has gone into this? And, and is the move made not only to help the team, but with your future in mind. Yeah. So, you know, for me, starting at Virginia, I started at nose tackle my first year. Second year, played nose tackle, D and everything. Third year going into Virginia, I mean, going into Cincinnati, I, my, like in, uh, what was it, 2021, 20, I played D and started at D and started here against Alabama. Then going into the last year, started at nose tackle. So I think it's one of those things where I'm just trying to build a great body of work for myself. You know, I think NFL teams will look and say, okay, well, he's had, you know, 42, 43 tackles and three sacks at DN. Well, we had 61 tackles and three sacks in those. Okay, so we can be productive inside and outside. And it's just one of those things to where, you know, I'll play anywhere you need me to. I'll help the team wherever you need me to. And I think that's, I hope that's something that speaks volumes for teams uh, this mm -hmm. April. Are you a, are you a uh, Bengals fan, having grown up there in Cincinnati? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I love all NFL football, but uh, I'd say, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely a, friend, a fan of what they going, I got going on there. My dad is from Detroit, though, so, you know, we always got, we got a soft spot for the Lions always, but, you know, personally, yeah. I'd say my, a good team that I always watch is always going to be like the Rams, you know, just watching oh, yeah. AD play. You know, our guy Cope is up there, too, so... What was your what was your thought on the Big 12 as you were kind of hearing y'all were going to go into this conference? And I'm wondering, did you start paying more attention and kind of seeing what the league looked like and maybe trying to, when you weren't on the field, watch some more Big 12 games to, to get familiar with some of this personnel here? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, so I played in the ACC, played in the AAC, and now the Big 12. Throughout my college years, I mean, you can go on the database of watching film, and, you know, depending on what you want to study, you'll get film from anybody. You can get film from anybody. So my main thing is, okay, I want to watch outside zone. I want to see who does outside zone the best. Or say I want to watch, uh, you know, position blocking. I want to see who does position blocking the best. You know, a lot of times I would bring you to Big 12 schools, you know, seeing as a D lineman how to defeat that, where to place my hands, where am I going to go here. You know, that brings me to watching, you know, Oklahoma, Pitt, and things like yeah. that. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where they've already been, it's already been something I've studied. I'm a big film guy. Yeah. You know, I'm, pretty, I'm fairly technical, I'd say, when it comes to that. So it's been already something I've already looked at, even before the move to the Big 12. Yeah, and now you're a co computer computer science, getting another <laughs> degree, so you have all the good film and mm -hmm. computer background, and you know how to do all those cut-ups. Mm -hmm. Juwan, it was a pleasure to get to meet you. Have a great rest of the Big 12 media day. I can see why they brought you. <laughs> yes, sir. You're a good you. guy to take out there and, and represent <laughs> Cincinnati. So really appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good one. You bet. You do, too. And there he goes. Uh, Jawan Briggs from Cincinnati. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. 
It's time for today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. Today, a look at Coach Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody. Beginning a new week with our Big 12 football previews, beginning our team-by-team looks at the 2023 season. Today, we'll hear from head coach Dave Aranda on the Baylor Bears. That's straight ahead on today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. Hi, Kyle Sotrano here with George's Restaurant, Bar, and Catering to tell you about what's new this season. Come enjoy one of our brand new Big O cocktails and try some of our new items like avocado toast, Italian nachos, and shrimp and grits. You can watch the game on our 200-inch Big O screens at either location. Check out our new menus and party package options online at georgeswaco.com or come see for yourself. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner Monday through Saturday at both of our locations. George's number one at 1925 Spate Avenue and George's number two at 1201 Hewitt Drive. Sick'em Bears. Baylor, Scott & White, Hillcrest Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics. Our physicians specialize in the diagnosis and treatment of all sports-related injuries. Located at the Ted and Sue Getterman Sports and Orthopedic Center on the Baylor, Scott & White, Hillcrest campus. This state-of-the-art facility includes advanced MRI imaging, outpatient orthopedic surgery center, and a sports therapy department with indoor and outdoor physical therapy spaces. Trust the doctors that Baylor trusts. Southwest Sports Medicine and Orthopedics, our goal is to get you back in the game if you like the Baylor gear john's wearing check it out at the Baylor bookstore or 24 7 online at bailershop.com every team knows that the two-point play can be a winning move that's why state farm agent bart romig and his team are here to help you go for two by combining your home and auto insurance it's a great call that saves you time and money. So go for the win and score savings by combining your home and auto. It's just another way we're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Bart Romig at 772-5025 today. Now here's JMO with today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview, exclusively on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. And welcome back. Remember Baylor, the Big 12 champs just two years ago, picked to win the league last year, finished 6-7, and seven, left coach Dave Aranda looking for answers and explaining what he found out over the offseason. I wanted to start this with really hard lessons from last year. It's one of the, the beautiful things of our, about our sport is that the uh, personal comes out in the professional and, um, you know, the, the faults of just me, it can happen there too, right? The, not only the positive things, but the negative things. And I look at, you know, the last year trying to save people, maybe trying to change people and um, not having hard enough boundaries. And, um, you know, I look at the, I don't know if it was a hubris or what it was, that made me think that I could, uh, but I think people are ready to change or improve when they're ready to, um, when they're ready to do it on their own. Uh, so I think that was a that was a big factor last year, and I think the other was you know, not using the transfer portal, and not embracing it. I think, you know, one of the struggles for me has always been if you say yes to something, uh, a player outside of your team, that's in the portal, you're saying no to a player on your team. That's Baylor head football coach Dave Aranda. The Bears open at home September 2nd against Texas State, one of a school record eight home games this season. And that's today's Modern Media Big 12 football preview. I'm John Morris.